How many of you have ever played dominoes before? Raise your hand. How many of you played with the black little dominoes? How many with the white little dominoes? Played chicken foot. Have you played chicken foot? We did that as a family growing up. How many of you have ever laid dominoes out so they would fall and one would knock down the other? Have you done that? That was my childhood deal. How many of you have seen on YouTube or on the internet or on Facebook all those intricate domino deals that go on and on forever through the house and up in circles and do all kinds of tricks and traps and stuff like that. How many of you guys seen that? Something you might not know. Domino, let's say, for all practical sake, is about two inches high. Did you know that a domino that's two inches high can knock down a domino or another domino-like thing that is four and a half inches high, or Three inches high. It's one and a half times it. So two times one and a half, if you're good at your fractions, equals three. A two inch can knock down a three inch domino. And a three inch can knock down a four and a half inch domino. One and a half times. Now if you take that out 18 times, you can knock down a domino as tall as the leaning tower of Pisa. And you do it 23 times, And you can knock down the Eiffel Tower, the size of the Eiffel Tower. And if you do it 29 times, you know what? You can knock down a domino the size of the Empire State Building. Isn't that amazing? It's called geometric progression. Now, the sermon series that I'm going to start on September 12th is all about geometric progression of our faith. Because I believe that if you're a Christian and you're sitting in this room today or if you're joining us online, you want a faith that thrives, don't you? And you want a geometric progression of your faith. I do not understand people that don't want to grow and improve and and have a dynamic faith. I just don't get it. And I think that As a people and as a person, we would want our legacy to be a faith that thrives, that geometrically progresses, that it will knock down, like we sang before, mountains, and that we will have a faith that exists in the highlands and in the heartaches. I love that song. Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want that for your family? Wouldn't it be great if your workplace was a place where that influence impacted others and had a domino effect around you? You see, we want a faith that thrives. But in this world... That doesn't always happen. And, and I really think it's up to us. And I think we underestimate what can happen and our influence and how it impacts others. And the thing that's disheartening for me and, and discouraging is to hear of deconversion. 
Now, we all know what conversion is, that we are converted to Christ. We come from unsaved to saved through that saving grace by faith in Jesus Christ. But the deconversion thing seems to to be happening like it's never happened before. That is, people that have been propagators of the faith, that were like rock stars of the faith, all of a sudden they get a few years into leadership or into ministry, and all of a sudden they don't believe anymore. And maybe they were more about the popularity, and maybe they were more about the personality, maybe they were more about the fame and the rock star status than they were were really about Christ. I really don't know. I don't understand it. But I would much rather leave a legacy of faith that progressed than to leave a faithless culture behind me, wouldn't you? And I don't know, this is kind of how my brain works, but that brings me to this Stockdale paradox. I was journaling and I'm kind of doing some reflective work in my own personal spiritual life. And this week as I was journaling, it just kind of popped into my head. Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking officer that was a Vietnam prisoner of war. And he was asked the question, well, who didn't last in the POW prisoner of war experience? And he said the optimists did not last. Not that they lacked faith, but they set a date, and when that date came and gone, or it came and went, it, it devastated them. And see, he said the optimists, now, Stockdale wasn't a Christian, doesn't profess to be a Christian, but I think he had some really good advice. This is what he said. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which can never afford, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now, doesn't that blow up in the face of positive thinking and positive confession? Because we have to accept the reality of what is around us, Christian. We do. And the personal state of affairs. But we've got to realize, and we're going to talk about Scripture this morning, that says we will prevail. God will prevail. There is no doubt that His Word is faithful. Now, I don't know what your present reality is what you're dealing with, what your concerns, what your anxieties, what your fears are. I don't. I know what mine are. But what is your present reality? You need to brutally deal with that before the Lord. Do what He tells you to do in that moment. But also never fear because we will, you will prevail by the grace of God. Because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are his own. And I'm going to reinforce that later in this message today. So I want to encourage you to embrace the brutal reality, but also realize the eternal reality that's coming. Now, you might not think of this person, but in 1492, he sailed the... Christopher Columbus, my namesake. 
Now, if you look in Wikipedia and you research Christopher Columbus, he wasn't all that great of a guy. And by the way, he did not believe the earth was flat like I was taught in elementary school. I thought he was this great heroic person. But even at his time, they realized the earth was spherical. And he wasn't going to sail off the edge of the earth, but he was going to find India. And in fact, he found the Bahamas. I would rather have the Bahamas than India, wouldn't you? (laughs) You can have your India. But he refused to believe that he did not find a new path to India all of his life. But he had faith. He believed he was an adventurer. And even though he failed, he failed well, didn't he? He found the Americas. Even though, I forget what his name, Amerigo whatever. Vespucis. Yeah, see, I don't know that stuff. And even though the Vikings even discovered America before it, he is attributed with discovering America, isn't he? I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're native Hoosier, if you've grown up below Fort Wayne, southern Hoosier, we have more in common with the Appalachia and the south than we do with our northern border. Did you know that? Because of the way immigration occurred, and in the 1800s, we probably, Goldie, thanks to your husband, Jim Hicks, he taught me this. We have more in common with the Scottish Appalachian descendants. And so that's who we are if you're native to this area. And our forefathers adventured and they accepted the brutal reality of traveling to the Americas for that future hope of succeeding and enjoying the freedoms and the opportunity of success and and the opportunity of owning land that wasn't possible. Now, if you think about our own pilgrimages, where you are today, are you where you thought you would be? Are you doing what you thought you would have done? I, I love to listen to valedictorian speeches at commencement. I just think that's so, so interesting. And or senior, you know, senior nights of all the different activities at high school and what our seniors propose to be in their dreams that are are and they want five or six kids and I'm, I think, I bet you you'll figure that one out. <laughs> Not that we got two staff members that have four and five kids, but hey, that's what they wanted. I, I'm cool with that. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that all those dreams and all those goals change, don't they? Now, I just want you to know, somebody was asking me about my bald head and how things were going. I said, you know, this is not what I expected. (laughs) In fact, my hairstylist, actually, I had a hairstylist at one time. uh, She said to me, you know, Chris, you're going to probably keep what you had. She was wrong. So we don't know what we're going to get, but we know that by God's grace, if we persist in trusting him, we will not fail. We will prevail. And we want to look at, we're going to look at some characters in the Bible, real people that really lived, that were fallible, that weren't perfect, but they were followers of God, that we can 
follow their example. And today we want to look at Abraham, a forefather. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. If you're turning your Bibles or in your tablets, it's by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, when I got married, if I would have told my father-in-law, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going. I have no plan. But can I marry your daughter? What do you think you would have said? So I made up a plan. And he bought it. And he let me marry his daughter. But isn't that reality? We can make all the plans, but God controls our destiny. But what Abraham did was amazing. He left everything he knew. At this stage of the game, I don't want to leave everything I know to go into some unknown. But Abraham did because he had faith in God. He had a faith that obeyed. And we need that faith, don't we? A faith that obeys. He had the faith, according to that passage in Hebrews 11.8, that would take the first step. And the hardest step is that first step away from home. He had a faith that would go into the unknown. Now, I don't know if we really have an unknown today, because I can get my phone, which I have over there, and I can look up on Waze, and I can find out anywhere. I can go anywhere, anytime, anyplace, or Google Maps. I can do that. But at that time, when Abraham was leaving his homeland and going into the promised land, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was going to do. It was the unknown. It was uncertain. It was scary. But he went anyway. And even though he did not receive the promise of inheriting all the land that he, he walked on, he stayed. He had a faith that stayed. If you look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says, He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Let me just tell you a story. When I was younger, in my younger days when the kids were little, we, were, we, were, we didn't have a lot of money. And so to do vacations, I came up with this grand idea that we would tent camp. My wife went along with it because she knew how cheap I was, and she never believed that I would buy a tent. But I did. I surprised her. In fact, we bought two tents. We bought two tents, one for us and one for the kids. And so we were camping one night. We were on Lake Barkley. It's a beautiful setting. We were kind of up on a, a ridge on a cliff overlooking uh, the lake. It was beautiful. And, uh, and we bought another tent. The kids had outgrown our tent, so we put another tent up. And I said, Kid, kids, stake it down. Do you think they staked it down? No. Big storm came along, and it was blowing and howling, and it was about midnight. I hear some crying or something going on. They were screaming at the top of the lungs, but I could barely hear them. Stacy woke me up and said, hey, go check on the kids. And their tent was about ready to blow away. So I jumped in, and we staked it down, didn't we, Jennifer? 
And they were flat, they were laying like this, and they were just little itty-bitty things. Abraham chose to live in a tent to follow God. A temporary dwelling. He never got home, but he still believed God. And he waited. He had a faith that waited. Now, today, nobody wants to wait for anything. Everybody's a little bit on edge with all the stuff that's going on in every way, in every type, uh, part of our lives. But, but Abraham was willing to wait all of his life, never receiving totally the promise. Now, he received his son Isaac, even though Abraham wasn't perfect. He had Ishmael with Hagar before that. If you know the story, if you're not, you know, get into Genesis and read the story of Abraham. But he stayed with God. He was faithful and he had that faith that waited. That's so important, Christian, that God's promises are never too early or too late. He always fulfills his promises. And even when he fulfilled that promise with Isaac, he had a faith that was willing to sacrifice the most important thing in his life. He had a faith that sacrificed. And finally, he had a faith that looked forward. And I believe that we as Christians, as believers, we need to have a faith that will look forward, that in the end, we will prevail. And God will prevail in any circumstance, any situation, if we are faithful to him. Look at Hebrews 11, chapter, or 11, verse 10. He says, For he was looking forward to a city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, if I was going to choose a, an architect, I would choose God, wouldn't you, for my life? If I was going to choose a builder, a general contractor, to build for me, I would choose God over anyone else, wouldn't you? Because he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He is our architect. He is building you right now. And he never quits and he never gives up. And we just need to hang on to him because he's holding on to us. I just want to remind you of some promises that he's made to us as believers. And if you're not a believer today, God wants you to know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. If you're joining us online, he has this promise for you as well. Look in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We are called If you know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, you are called. He has a purpose. And notice what he goes on to say in verses 29 through 31. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. If we're in Christ, we are to be little Christ, like Jesus. But we join a family, the family of God. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
God is doing a work. And then he goes on to encourage us and says in verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No matter what the odds, no matter how down you are, God is for you. I was meditating on this passage of Scripture years ago, and I grew up in a legalistic church. It wouldn't be a church that you would be attracted to today. It was pretty much black or white. You didn't go to our church, you were going to hell. It wasn't very gracious. And so I didn't really realize that God was for me. I didn't realize that I was on his team and that he loved me 100% and he was for me 100%. I never got that as a kid. Never realized that. But one day, I, just, I was meditating on this passage, and I just realized, you know, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the controller of everything, is for me. And he is for you. Do you realize that? That that kind of leverage, that kind of domino effect that we can have because God is for you. Then he goes on in Romans 8. I think it's, it's such a powerful passage. It just, it just caught me by the throat and it shook me and it woke me up. In verse 35 he says, And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or anything else you could list? Nothing. He says, verse 37, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor, nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How powerful is that? If that would just sink into the deep areas of our soul and spirit, what, how that would change the world and the domino effect that it would create wherever we are. Because God is for us. See, we're more than survivors. And, and, and what we are doing is more than just surviving. We were made to thrive. When God is for us, nothing can stop us as we serve him. And if you want to take something with you today, this is it. This is a challenge. Two attitudes that we need to have. I hope I didn't mess up the clicker there just now. Two attitudes. First of all, is that we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Realizing that he is for us, that he loves us, the crazy love, and to obey him, that we have an attitude of obedience, that when we are called by God, whatever he tells us to do, that we will just follow through and obey it. Whatever that voice tells you, you know, not the schizophrenic paranoia voice, but that voice of the Holy Spirit that agrees with the word of God, what it tells you. Obey it. Just do it. Don't think about it. Take that step of faith. Amen? Amen. Folks, today's the day. Now is the time. If you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ.
if you need to make a step of faith, if you need someone to pray with you, that's what this invitation is for, for you to come to know Jesus. Let's pray. Eternal God, Father, we are grateful for this day and for this time. Father, we are so grateful that you are for us, that our faith in you is by your grace. But Father, you are faithful to your word, and we can count on you no matter what comes. That through the pain, through the uncertainty, through chaos, you are there with us and nothing can separate us from your love. That all things work together for good. That Father, in the end, we will prevail by your grace through faith. Father, just now, for those that are wounded, that are hurting, that just need your spirit to come to give comfort and peace, Father, we pray that you will do that. For those that need to come to know you as Lord and Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus, we pray that would happen. Father, for those that need to take the next step of faith, to, to be that encouragement, that faithful person, wherever they are, to create that legacy and that domino effect. I pray that that would happen, Father, that there would be a revival in, in, our, in our region, in our area, in our country, that, God, you would do the work that you're calling us to do. And, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.